Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Umriwa Gavaza, and for today, we're going to be getting into a conversation around the issues of AI. There's no doubt that right now, AI or artificial intelligence is uh, probably the biggest buzzword, buzz term, or buzz phrase that is uh, there in the world of technology. Everyone is talking about uh, artificial intelligence and right now we're going to be talking hopefully we will be able to decipher through today's conversation you know what is hype and you know versus what is the actual reality on the ground what can businesses you know actually do to actually make the most of this technology beyond um, just making a whole lot of noise about it and uh, for today we are joined interestingly by a company that is in the healthcare sector afrocentric they are listed on the JSC. And for today, we're joined by the head of data and insights, the executive for that. Uh, that is Vukosi Sambo. Vukosi, greetings to you today. Good afternoon, Mudiwa. Thanks for having me. Greetings to you. No, no, greetings to you. And thank you so much, uh, you know, for being with us and uh, taking time to join us. And I'm really looking forward to this uh, type of uh, conversation and what we have to talk about um, when we talk about responsible AI integration and what that actually means. But before we get into all of those types of discussions and debates Afrocentric, a little bit uh, around the company itself. For those that may not know, I think I gave, you know, a very high, high, high level, um, you know, of what, uh, yes. what, what it is that you guys do. But specifically, where are you guys playing in the sector and uh, the work that you specifically are doing, you know, in the data and insights uh, unit? Thanks, Mudiwa, again. Um, I mean, you've already alluded to the fact that we are a JSC-listed uh, company, and obviously our business is uh, focused in making sustainable uh, impact in the area that we know best, which is healthcare, right? So really, through our operating model, we aim to increase access to sustainable, affordable, and quality healthcare. And we do this by providing health administration, or what most people refer to as medical aid administration services, health risk management services, and the range of complementary uh, solutions uh, that really from a healthcare value chain perspective, we strongly believe that for our medical aid uh, clients and their members, we are able to really drive down the cost uh, of care and be able to unlock a greater affordability and access thereof in line with our organizational uh, purpose. So that's really what we do. And we really cover about 3.8 million lives currently, which is about 40% of the of the market. So really quite large in the South African space. And our lead medical aid administrator subsidiary being the well-known med scheme uh, uh, holdings. Okay, cool. Um, and also um, the other piece was um, what type of work are you doing in the data and uh, insights uh, unit over at Afrocentric? Yeah, so I head up the data and insights uh, team. So basically, uh, in, in, in a nutshell, it's uh, I help the group really leverage uh, the data assets to really uh, 
uh, enable uh, the company's organizational uh, uh, purpose and vision, which is what I already alluded to. So if you really think about it, the product in its um, uh, uh, construct in the first place is really based on data and understanding of patterns of, um, of healthcare and how can we price uh, efficiently to be able to provide the richest possible benefits uh, to our schemes and their members so that their health is uh, looked after. And further than that, really try to use data. And we've got really lots of data that we generate, uh, about 25 million lines of data every month, uh, to understand how can we uh, guide those members, those 3.8 million uh, people, towards uh, paths of better uh, care and wellness using the insights and understanding of uh, these data points uh, from from uh, our members as and when they consume these products monthly. So that's the power of data and what you can do with it. And I'm not going to talk more about that when we dive into the artificial intelligence conversation as to how do we actually unlock that potential. All right. Very keen to understand. I'm going to ask you, a, a corporate question because we are a uh, a a business platform uh so we always try to understand things from a business point of view um you guys are a group and you're heading up uh, data and insights you know from a group level does that mean that strategy around data and insights is coming from you know your team you know do the do your operating companies such as MedScheme have data and insights teams inside them? How does that actually work? So it's really more at a group level, but actually growing out of MedScheme. So you can actually even think about it as originally being the MedScheme data team servicing the rest of the group, yeah. given also the history of the organization. I mean, it was largely a MedScheme business that grew up to get the rest of this healthcare asset to integrate into MedScheme to complete the healthcare vertical integration and value chain. So that history does also have that uh, element um, in it. And the data strategy yes, uh, comes from uh, uh, that uh, uh, area or on, on our side. And really it's more about, you know, how do we help the organization leverage its data assets and how do we manage process and utilize that to gain competitive advantage or to generate value. And, you know, they are really... A uh, few buckets of uh, of value in how you obviously generate value from your data asset is to say how can we help the business drive uh, increased revenue, manage cost better, drive better experiences both from a simple customer experience but also the care itself when the our people uh, or our customers do ex- uh, encounter care or access care with the provider be it your doctor or hospital or a pharmacy or any other healthcare provider and also how then do we also use data to manage risk better and i think that is an imperative for every business in terms of uh, where value generation sit and with our papers from a data strategy perspective is to say how do we manage our data assets to help unlock those opportunities in those areas okay it is a very interesting space to be in and i know that um, you know usually when it comes to these things we've been hearing a lot uh, from the likes of uh, you know we are talking we're all talking about ai in 2023 because of open ai and chat generative ai all of uh, the buzz uh, that has come through from all of those platforms and now now we hear all the large tech companies from you know microsoft google amazon 
on you know communicating to their market um, around their AI strategies and even in the local market we're seeing the same trend and I know it would be easy for you know someone you know to then ask and say but you guys are a healthcare company well, well what does AI have to do with anything so your answer to that question <laughs> uh, so yeah the, the simple long and short of it is that uh, we are a healthcare company but in the context of enabling access to care and affordable access and quality care for that matter, right? So we need to be very good at making sure that Modiwa uh, gets the right access at the most affordable price at the right time to ensure the best health outcomes. So we must not forget that it's not just saying go to the doctor, but we need to ensure that uh, the outcomes that come from you interacting with your healthcare provider meets the expected standard, which means that you need to get better or we need to help manage your chronic uh, condition better. So uh, all of that is data points that we understand from how you have um, uh, purchased or consumed the product and the services in the past. And even, in, like I said, in this construct, before I can tell you that um, you need to pay a thousand rand or a two thousand rand in premiums. I need to have really understood um, what is the likelihood of uh, you getting sick and ending up hospitalized. And we do that at a population level, and that is what the actuarial team, from a data perspective, uses in their pricing and uh, product and benefit design. Right. So all of it, the product itself, is really a data product but the data of care that is aimed at ensuring that you can have the peace of mind and the security about your wellness and health uh, once you are one of our customers so really data is at the center of everything from when we design the product to how we guide you and navigate you or coordinate your access to care and also how we gain insights to say this data that we are seeing from how you are interacting with the product by seeing a doctor, by going to the pharmacy, is telling us to say, going forward, this is the predicted way in which you are likely to utilize your product. So the best product for you maybe is this one, or this is what you can shift behaviorally to get the best out of your product in a way that doesn't uh, compromise or reduce the quality outcomes that you expect. So really all of it from the product to how you use it to how we guide you and also empower you as a customer, as a member to say, how can I take charge of my own health and wellness journey? It's all dependent on data and simplifying it and making it make sense to you if we are to place it back into your hands in the form of say an application or whatever so really data is at the center or is a consistent thread towards every action that we do as a as a healthcare company that we are in afrocentric makes sense when you contextualize it in that way and you know one can imagine i think you said just now that you guys are commanding roughly 40 percent of the market one can imagine the amounts of data uh that you've been able to uh what's the word i'm looking for generate yeah that you've been able to 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 generate um you know over over time and i i i'm just thinking about how much data you guys are generating on a daily basis a weekly basis a monthly basis and over the history of the company so when it comes to actually integrating ai 
into what a company does, right? Um, your view, you know, just around, uh, because I think you, from my understanding, um, you are advocating for a layered approach, right? What does a layered approach actually mean? And what are some of the pieces uh, that make up those layers? Cool. So I think the start of it all, like you, you alluded to the fact that we're generating so much data. So the number in our world is uh, roughly 25 million uh, a month. So in a year, that's over 300 million data points, right? And I mean, even for someone like me, a mathematician or whatever by profession, being able to process that large amount that that large amount of data with speed and greater accuracy can be a mammoth task, right? So AI really actually helps you is the is the tool or the technology that allows you to do that and do that with speed and pick up even hidden patterns that tell you something about how to capture more value, how to help someone's health outcomes, how to help their experience, how to help their their needs for accessing care and be able to be as accurate as possible and be able to even personalize to for that person as far as possible. So really that's what the exponential rise in the use of AI has really been more about. But with all of that uh, said, you know, there are there is a growing consensus that there is necessity to tackle the risks and potential harms that come with uh, artificial intelligence. And that is why this layered approach starts making sure that over and above just building the smarts, we really do it responsibly and do it in a way that benefits the entire stakeholder ecosystem. So that is very, very, very important. Uh, and I think it speaks to the uh, to really this uh, principle that I'm advocating for. So most of what gets spoken about and what people like myself and in my team do, we consider it as the AI system itself and the technicalities and how to deal with the data and manage it uh, in the uh, according to international best practice of data management, the privacy issues, the security, and all of those. But beyond all of that, we need to ensure that we also understand the outcomes and the fact that the outcomes cause no harm. So at a social level, we've got a responsibility. So that is one layer, right? And also uh, in general, ensuring that what we do is in line with the strategic ob objectives of the big, bigger or broader business strategy. So that is also one layer. Right. And also then ensuring that we then uh, use AI collectively as a force for good which in whichever sector that we are in. And I think in our case, in the South African market, you can really say that one of the most or the biggest imperative is the issue of inclusion or expanding access. We only have nine point nine, just over 9 million people that enjoy access to medical aid, you know, out of the 60 million population and the burden on the state to care for the balance is huge. So whatever difference we can make to remove waste from the system in terms of our healthcare is being consumed, to remove fraud, to uh, get better at, uh, at, at at guiding people towards care paths of better care so that in the future they don't end up in a hospital feeds into us really being able to manage the healthcare costs down 
and enabling affordability to people who wouldn't otherwise afford it and increasing that 9 million, maybe to a 10 million or to 11 million, every life counts. So that is rather uh, uh, quite um, critical for us. So at the AI system level, that is the day-to-day work that the data team or an AI team will do. But then linking it and making sure it links to the strategic objectives is the second layer. And making sure that then the bigger social uh, uh, system is also uh, 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 taken care of in how we are implementing this is really, really critical. And it includes issues of bias as well. You know, we don't want to discriminate based on race, gender, religious affiliation, uh, and, and so forth. So as an AI leader, being held accountable to ensure that you can prove that your AI algorithms or models or systems don't carry those biases with is quite critical and it is uh, empowering if I'm able to dis- demonstrate it to say someone who's sitting at a board who maybe doesn't have the technical uh, skills and understanding and know-how of AI, but to take Kafa to say these people are doing this responsibly and they're doing it in line with the bigger social goals that we as an organization stand for and in line with executing our organizational mandate and strategy. So many questions that arise from what you've just said, um, especially when you think about the ethical implications um, around um the use of AI and in your particular sense, because um, a lot of the time when people talk about AI, um, you you wonder sometimes whether or not they truly understand what the technology is and does, uh, because I think it just sounds, ni- uh, sounds nice to say we're using AI, uh, but at least, you know, from the way that you've articulated it, 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 it it's clear Right, we have a bunch. We have a mountain of data that uh, we are producing and have produced over years. We need tools that will be able to help us to crunch through this data, and also make um, value value determinations. Um, you know, based on that data as quickly and as efficiently as possible, whilst at the same time think uh, taking consideration the ethical you know pieces of this. So. Continuing on from that is the fact that uh, you 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 think about this from a layered approach, but a, a couple of things arise in me, you know, from a curiosity point of view. The first one is, are you are you doing all this work internally as Afrocentric? Um, do you outsource to you know other people, you know, that may have um, computing power, you know, whether it's cloud providers or anyone else, um, you know, how are you approaching things from that point of view? Are you guys crunching these 25 million data points on your own? Uh, do you bring in other people? Yeah. So, so that's a good question. So I think it's, um, it's a hybrid, uh, uh, strategy and, you know, using the word hybrid quite broadly. So firstly, the 25 million, lines of data is predominantly internal. So, I mean, most of that we can crunch uh, for most part, but we do have um, partners that we work with uh, uh, that help us with certain areas of expertise. And I think those partnerships are quite important. But uh, actually, if you also look at some of the key drivers of healthcare consumption, 
to give you a very interesting sort of um, a breakdown is that uh, five lifestyle behaviors, so drinking, smoking, exercise, environment, and your eating habits drive predominantly the eight chronic conditions that um, uh, are responsible for more than 60% of the claims. So that is quite interesting. And when you dig deeper into that, it speaks to what we refer to as the social determinants of healthcare. And it speaks to the things that we know, especially in the context of South Africa, the economic instabilities, the income inequalities, those factors. There's the social factors in our country as well. There's the environmental factors that usually also speak to access to care or place of care for most people uh, within our country, especially in the rural areas, right? Before you really get into the specificities of dealing with people in the system, so you quickly realize to say that being also also being able to bring in that external or alternative data or having a very good context of how those trends are moving gives us very, very interesting insights as to how the consumption patterns of healthcare are likely to be. Because, you know, you don't want to just address this at the symptoms level. You want to deal with the root cause and understanding those data points uh, make you realize to say the system itself needs to be enhanced so that we see better outcomes going forward beyond just me looking after your illness as a med scheme customer that there's a medical aid card to be able to go to a doctor or pharmacy. So we do have as a result to your question, have to partner with uh, multiple stakeholders uh, to be able to paint that context and also contribute meaningfully to the dialogue and also with the rest of the partners shape the future of the system at large and not be too internally focused of our in our 3.8 um, million lives only. We've got a bigger responsibility and we want to be the leader in being the shapers of the future of the healthcare system of, of, of this country. So that does need us to broaden and think of it more broadly than just our 25 million lives. But, um, we, we do interact with multiple partners. The technical uh, technologies, to your point, like cloud give us and, and being able to partner with the cloud partners uh, in some form of a, a technology strategy, uh, uh, all the way to just um, uh, driving the direction of where the system is going with even uh, industry stakeholders, regulatory bodies, and okay. so forth. When I'm here listening to you, there's so, like I can just imagine the amount of work, you know, that goes into, you know, something like this and actually making all the different pieces work together to then achieve, um, you know, the goals that you highlighted for us at the beginning. And one of the things I'm now wondering about is um, it's an ethical question. When you have very powerful systems, you know, such as your AI I think sometimes people grapple with, do you ring fence your AI to just, let's say, your own data set and then you make the most of it like that? Or do you unleash your AI, let's say, wider? Let's say the internet, you know, plus your own data. Um, because the larger your data set, the more insights that you're able to gain you know, out of uh, out of it, because it's one thing to look at your own data in isolation, but if it's uh, within the context of 
the rest of the country, world, etc. You 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 gain richer insights. Uh, but I can imagine that there's questions around. I I don't know whether it's a security question or an ethical question. You know, uh, <laughs> it's both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just talk to me around that uh, aspect because you seem to understand where 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 I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so firstly, uh, it speaks to where the training of these AI models or algorithms happen. So that you want to do in a safe, isolated environment internally. And even if it's in a, in a cloud-based, but more in a dedicated sequadros that is, you know, isolated and specific to you and to your data, right? So uh, junk in, junk out. AI is dependent on data. And if you put junk into it, it will pop out junk. It's really, it tries to make sense and uh, of patterns and uh, history, a bit of history. So when history doesn't rhyme well, you need to be very able to pick it up quickly and and really be able to um, uh, 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 change your models at speed to adapt to the new norm, right? Uh, like we saw during COVID. So what you are able to do, and I think it speaks to the question that most people have been asking around uh, technologies such as chat GPT. And what happens within those technologies that they are, large language modules that are based on foundational modules. So what they've been able to achieve is to use this huge amounts of data to pre-train modules that can be adopted to a specific context or, or, or use case or even environment. So you are able to leverage the power of what has been achieved in these foundational and large language modules but contextualize it to your internal data in a safe environment and train your use cases or answer specific questions that speaks to you specifically in your environment in a safe way, but still benefit from what those are able to achieve. And that is why even in the context of chat GPT, you've got your chat GPT for business and not generally just the public one, because you want to be able to contain that and build around your own information and information architecture and repositories and to give people comfort. I mean, to your point, we deal with very sensitive data. People are probably even happy to tell you their bank balance before they tell you what pills they're taking. You know, so 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 it is quite critical for us to make sure that we perform these practices in a safe and secure environment, and we don't expose it uh, irresponsibly and negligently to uh, uh, areas we shouldn't be. So the issues of privacy, consent, and all those elements must be dealt with with absolute diligence and ensure that we are doing everything above board. And when you remember that all of it is always geared at improving your outcomes, making sure that access to care is enabled for you and you are able to access this care at the most affordable price, then we don't lose the uh, the, the the bigger picture or the main picture that we that is driving us. It's always AI with a purpose, not for the sake of doing it because everyone else is doing it. All right. And I think, you know, to end off, um, we can then look at, uh, because we've spent quite a bit of time today uh, getting into this layered approach to say that you can't just go out and say, 
we are new, we are now using AI. There are a lot of considerations that you that you have to make, um, you know, along the way. And I'm pretty sure that you you've spent quite a bit of time looking at how others, um, you know, are approaching this, whether that's in the local market or internationally. So is there a case study where that's an organization, a country, a government, or someone, you know, that you think has done, you know, this uh, approach well uh, from what you can see? Because obviously you've led us through your thinking as Afrocentric and how you guys are doing it. Uh, but is there anyone else, you know, out there in the world that you're like, ah, that they've actually done, you know, a pretty good job? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to necessarily promote organizations, but uh, the, the simple answer is that yes, and uh, I, we do also take pride that we do it very well, by the way. And I think um, before I go into other uh, uh, uh people out there who are doing great job is to highlight that if you look at our environment, we deal with 12.1, 12.5 million claim lines that we process every month and ni- over 99% of those go straight through without being touched by a human being. It's decisioning that is uh, based on the rules. So AI in its classical sense, and we even you apply this in the fraud and Western abuse where we are able to save our scheme clients over 150 million rand um, uh, annually and uh, by understanding the patterns of consumptions and how you are consuming your healthcare we are able to really navigate and manage your risk better from a health point of view in a way that is saving our scheme clients 4.6 billion rand in our world and that is and on average 241 rent per month per, per policyholder. So that goes a very long way in the current economic conditions for our kind of market. So we are using this already powerfully and we would like to see ourselves as one of the people that have really adopted the AI with purpose and seeing the great outcomes of it. And there's obviously room for, for, for greater improvement and um, uh, 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 going forward. There are a few American organizations that I won't pick up and what they've been able to achieve for me using generative AI is uh, what probably is one of the biggest challenges in the system is that uh, looking at someone like you're even an average South African and above average South African, you don't really understand your medical aid product as much as you think you do until you have to consume and you realize that I didn't know how this pays or works and so forth. Yes, and it's yes. because it's almost near yes. impossible to get you to understand everything. There's like 70,000 70, plus ICD-10 codes that we could be receiving a claim regarding at any point in time. And you, there's, we've got uh, so many scheme clients that each have, I don't know, 15 plan types. And some of them are hospitals, some of them are savings plan. There's the issue of networks. So the permutations, even when we process a single claim line that are involved in that decision of yes or no, and the benefits and the limit applied, it's much more complex than you think. So educating you about this product is actually very, very difficult. And generative AI, for example, is able to leverage power of abstracting that complexity and simplifying it. Remember what made chat GPT popular is because someone in the street who has never um, built an AI algorithm can could now interact with this thing. It feels normal. It, it feels, you know, the uh, conversational. So being able to bring that to the products such as medical aid is so powerful in uh, creating greater understanding of how the product works in a language that is simplistic and understandable to to you as a member. So I've seen organizations in the 
United States and Europe that are starting to do that quite a lot. And it's one of the use cases that we are intending to explore to just really uh, bridge this education gap that other, otherwise you wouldn't be able to because of the nature of complexity that's inherent in the product. Okay, cool. I know that had been the last point, but what you've just said sparked a thought in my head. And I'm going to give you, you know, what I'm thinking, and you can tell me whether or not what I'm saying is possible or whether, you know, it'd be like, no, this is nonsense. Would it be possible um, to create a a feature, you know, uh, I don't know, whether an app or something, you know, uh, Afrocentric uh, or MedScheme, whichever of your entities, right? You have an app and uh, I'm able maybe like a virtual assistant of some sort where it's yep. able to, uh, because like you said, you over 70,000 codes, all these customers, all of these different conditions. And let's say I walk outside, I, I, I fall and I break my leg, you know, and I go to the hospital. And then, you know, whilst I'm there, uh, you know, as I'm filling out my forms, maybe I can take out my phone and then go onto this app, uh, this uh, Afrocentric app, and then just ask the app, "Hey, I've broken my leg. I've come to such and such a hospital. Is the you know what are my options here?" And then it pulls in you know all the things and actually says, "Hey, actually." you should have gone to XYZ hospital because you would have been able to get this such and such care based on what you're paying for. Wow, 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 wow. Is that a possibility? We are actually in the middle of a project like that ah. where we are hoping that even when you walk into a doctor's room, we are calling it a, a QR code project. You just scan a QR code and it will give you all of that and you can ask the question and again to the point uh, that I've just made to say exploring that chat generative AI sort of capability that you are able to ask or conversate with it more normally, like a South African, but it's able to contextualize and bring back the relevant information that is speaks to you as a as a policy holder, your plan type, and all of that in an in in what I would say a non-clinical jargon for you to be able to interpret. And it tells you whether you are in a hospital that is in the network that won't expose you to copay copayments and 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 the like. So 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 we exactly uh, going in that direction. And you know there there are a lot of um, exciting use cases. I mean, to indulge you maybe with one last more before we, we part ways. I mean, uh, there's even a facial recognition based on artificial intelligence that enables the computer, you know, to detect the underlying facial patterns. I don't know if you know that, you know that, you know, and this can play a very big role in um, diagnosis and screening of uh, diseases with uh, facial phenotypes, you know. And uh, the, this changes the the, the 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 landscape quite a lot. Probably you use your facial um, recognition to to unlock your phone this morning or every time. So being able to start um, using the power of AI to read the phenotypes of your 
of, of, of your skin texture and be able to even predict certain things is so powerful in us helping even get ahead of the diagnosis before you even uh, end up in the hospital and so forth. So um, AI is really powerful and it just needs people that are using it for, for good, speaking again to that social imperative of the layered approach that uh, we can demonstrate that it causes no harm. It is being used as a good and is benefiting the broader well-being of the system and the society at large. All right. So that's where we end off. It has been a really great, um, you know, discussion uh, with Fukosi. And I'm really and I'm glad that at least, you know, the way that I'm thinking is literally the same way that, um, you know, Afrocentric uh, is thinking. So I'm not I'm not I'm not too crazy um, in terms of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not. Yeah, in uh, terms of uh, in terms of my thinking. And I, I guess it also shows just how good of a, of a teacher for course he is you know in terms of explaining um you know their thinking um around the use of ai over the last half hour that we've been uh going back and forth around this discussion some of the key points you know coming out is obviously the fact that there's a lot to consider um you know out there about um there's a lot to consider out there about the use of AI. It's not a matter of just bringing in an algorithm, putting in some rules, and then it's spitting out data on the other side or insights. Um, you know, you have to be cognizant about, you know, what this data is, you know, how sensitive is it, um, you know, what type of permissions do you have, uh, but also at the same time, it can do a lot um, to help you with, uh, you know, just crunching through mountains and mountains um, you know, of data. If you're a company like Afrocentric that has the 20 to 30 million data points um, that you have to be thinking through, there's a lot, um, you know, to consider out there. And then also at the same time, you know, how do you make it in such a way? Um, this is something that he kept, you know, coming back to uh, the social element, right? Uh, because uh, in a lot of contexts, people keep talking about AI from a revenue generating and, uh, you know, business point of view. Uh, but of course, he is saying that there is a social responsibility, um, you know, that comes there. You know, if your AI can be that powerful, then why not use it, um, you know, to actually achieve um, some good along the way. So that's been it. You know, we were talking to uh, Vokosi Sambo, uh, who is uh, the head of data and insights over at JSC Listed Group, Afrocentric. Vokosi, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Mudiwa. Nice discussion. Really appreciate it. Have a good day. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. I've been Mudiwa Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon and good morning.